middle of July 2020, and for the first time since the beginning of lockdown, my family and I were able to spend quality time together on a small trip. It's 2am and my dad's phone rang waking everyone up. And all I remember was my dad repeating in a trembling voice, Daddy's dead. My heart dropped and I had no idea what to do. We were a two hour drive away from Sydney where we live with no family or friends to support us at this time and a 14 hour flight away from my morning family in South Africa in the middle of a strict no travel policy. After, a two, after packing the trunk, we got ready for a two hour drive back home. The most horrible and gut wrenching drive of my life. The sense of nothingness in the car as no one had any idea of what to do in a situation that no one was prepared for is something that I will remember for the rest of my life. But after returning home, not a minute went by that we weren't surrounded by our extended family and friends. I remember feeling so loved and supported, surrounded by so many people who knew my grandpa so well, telling me the amazing and funny stories about my, who my grandpa truly was. This was the first time in my life experiencing grief, experiencing a funeral, albeit over Zoom for the first time, experiencing the amazingly healing Jewish rituals and traditions of grief that all perpetrate a theme of peoplehood at your lowest points. Skip forward a year and a half and I find myself experiencing grief a second time. A second time experiencing a funeral, albeit over Zoom again, and a second time getting exposed to the Jewish rituals and traditions that have a power to heal and create a sense of peoplehood at your the most unexpected of times. This time we were in the middle of our second lockdown and I lost a, second, a first cousin of mine in the most tragic circumstances you can lose anyone. But regardless of the period of isolation and forced lockdown, my family and friends pulled through, bringing us enough food to feed my family of four for months and taking us on as many walks as we could possibly do. Although these experiences with grief and mourning were severely different from each other, both proved to me one thing, the importance of carrying on the rituals and traditions that our culture and community have given us, specifically those that highlight peoplehood. When I think back to these times, some of the most trying times of my life, I realised that we weren't making an effort to keep the Jewish traditions, but the Jewish traditions were taking care of us and our souls. Think about it this way. When you're in charge of taking care of an elder, be it a parent, grandparent, or even a great-grandparent, by taking care of your elders, you are letting your history take care of you by honouring your legacy. Being Jewish and letting our history take care of us is like having a grandfather who has the wisdom of over 4,000 years. And the proposal and opportunities to keep to the multitude of Jewish rituals is like having the advice of a 4,000-year-old grandpa. So why wouldn't you listen to it? Yes, it can be slow and seem kind of old-fashioned, but it is so important that for us, as the next generation, to continue listening to our grandparents with the wisdom of over 4,000 years. I have to accept that these last few years have been really difficult, but I also have to reckon that I have had the privilege of discovering the importance of the legacy that we are in charge of continuing. But when I look around at my fellow Jewish teens, I see a different phenomenon. The sociological dynamics of the youth are making it difficult for us to interact with older generations. But it is so important that we all work to continue the legacy of our 4,000-year-old grandparents. In wondering about this topic, I identified three main reasons why this is the case, why intergenerational dialogue is being stifled by us. A major reason is the way that our generation tends to only consume self-produced cultural content. Our parents grew up with, par with heroes characters and content that was created by members of previous generations with their particular wisdom and experiences. That dynamic took care of the dialogue between different generations, enabling the conversations that allowed them to live together and respect one another. Today, Gen Z consumes the cultural content that Gen Z produces. 
That means that the dialogue with other moral and cultural constructions from those lived before us is virtually non-existent. Second, our generation is also undermining the value of experience. It has been proven that practice makes perfect, that if we do something for long enough, we will get better through experience. But this experience is all too commonly belittled by Generation Z, overconfident that the millennia of experience in Jewish tradition, or any type of tradition for that matter, is senseless. Lastly, our generation is too used to and demanding of practical and immediate action for every whim that bursts out of our minds, and therefore we are too impatient to see the value of ritual and tradition. This poor intergenerational dialogue has led to Gen Z losing answers whenever an approach to an important moment in life is deserving of a particular type of wisdom, contemplation or toolkit. It is not up for debate. Tough, painful and difficult moments will come. It is inherent to human experience. We will all face them one way or another. The same will happen with flourishing, happiness and rejoicement. And we, as a young generation, are losing an opportunity to be the recipients of 4,000 years of wisdom and value that can help us tremendously on how to face these important moments. We are losing the opportunity to be bound to 4,000 years of wisdom that it will eventually be our job to pass on. Recently, I visited the Kotel for the first time in my life. And in the walk through the old city approaching the Kotel, our tour guide reminded us that our experience at the Kotel is more than just the experience of ours but actually the experience of the generations of ancestors who worked towards cultural freedom. Although for some, the Kotel may seem just like a big wall, by attending the Kotel, you are binding yourself to 4,000 years of our history. It is a wall that represents the blood, sweat and tears put into the continuation of our culture. Our tour guide also reminded us that it is our duty to take the, our ancestors, specifically those who have never experienced a Kotel, with us. For me, this hits specifically close to home knowing that my cousin, someone who adored his Jewish identity, was never given the chance to visit the Kotel. But for me, I was continuing on his legacy and taking with him with me to the holiest site in our tradition, ensuring that he had a chance to experience this place, although not physically, but in memory. On the same trip, I visited Yad Vashem and had what is probably the most moving experience of my life. After losing so many people in the most terrible ways, with many of these people not being given the basic rights to a funeral or burial ritual, it is vital that we ensure that all of us continue our cultural and religious legacy by following these rituals. However, more important than this is the message of hope that is perpetrated through faith and the way our faith brings people together. At the lowest point in these people's lives, in some cases mere minutes before their death, they stayed faithful, finding ways to pray and fulfill Jewish rituals in the most difficult of circumstances. In fact, it was proven that the people who had meaning or purpose in who kept to traditions and stayed faithful to their Judaism in these most trying of times actually found survival easier, with something positive to live for in the hardest times. This proves the importance of keeping our faith and staying together in the most trying times. In today's world, periods of pain and suffering are all too regular, and it is all too easy to forget about ritual and tradition during these times. After the loss of someone you loved and cared for, it is all too easy to forget about the family and friends that are still here to support you, and even easier to forget about the Jewish rituals and traditions that heal you through the power of peoplehood. But it is these rituals and traditions that remind us of the importance of people and the importance of time spent alone. The Shiva period, which spans the first seven days after the death of a loved one, has the primary purpose of creating a sense of comfort for the mourner. While to some, sitting Shiva seems like a meaningless process, further isolating the mourner, it is in fact doing the exact opposite. Encouraging people to come visit the mourner rather than the mourner visiting others. This not only provides a much needed structure and routine in the time of grief, 
but also gives the mourner both time alone and with people, something that is vital to the mourning process. Shiva is seen as one of the most important parts in a mourner's life, bringing together a community for the mourner at their lowest points. It ends with the ritual of walking around the block joined by family and friends, but then is followed by the Sheloshin, the first 30 days, and then after the year of mourning. After the year of mourning and on every anniversary, the mourner commemorates the anniversary of their loved one's death by lighting a Yotai candle. This is a reminder of the importance of embracing those who surround you. The Yotai candle is symbolic of the statement, the soul of man is the candle of God. In chapter 20, verse 27 of the book of Proverbs, the Yotai candle is there to represent the soul of the deceased loved one, but reminds the mourner of the fragility of life and the importance of embracing the people who are still around us. Through all of these rituals and traditions, it comforts me to know that it is a cycle and that every step of the way, the mourner is joined by family and friends beside them. It reminds us that even when tragedy hits you in the most unimaginable ways, that we are still here, that we are still alive and that we are still agents of responsibility. That no matter how weak we feel, there are still packages of meaning that we can weigh over our shoulders. We can still take care of those who are alive with us and need our help. And maybe most important of all, we can still tell the stories of those who are no longer with us. Although I have focused on these ritual and traditions of grief, the power of tradition and peoplehood goes way further than just these difficult moments in life and applies to the entire circle of existence of our culture. As two people get married, at the happiest moment of their lives, they are asked to step on a cup to remember the, the destruction of the second temple, to remind us to not get drunk on happiness, but also that while you're a, a starting a family, there will always be down moments and times that are harder to deal with than others, but you will always have a, a community behind you. Furthermore, not only are the Jewish rituals and traditions important to help us get through life, but any ritual or tradition that has the power to help construct and deconstruct the most sacred moments of our lives. However, in our case, as Jewish youth, we are lucky to have grandparents with 4,000 years of wisdom to guide us to a fulfilling life. My grandpa and cousin are two people who I carry in my heart as I move on with my life every single day. And I'm so lucky that there are a multitude of Jewish rituals and traditions that continue to encourage me to think of them about them every day. As two people who were both very involved in their community, with my grandpa starting to found his shul in his home community and continuing to go to shul at least once a day, every day, and my cousin being a part of his synagogue choir, I am lucky to feel like I'm continuing on their legacy as I continue my journey to finding my Jewish identity and contributing to the continuation of Jewish traditions and rituals. But the importance of continuing these traditions and rituals goes way further than personal stories of grief and loss. It is about continuing the 4,000 plus years of experience and knowledge that our culture provides us. It is about continuing to allow our 4,000 year old grandparents to watch the flowers grow from the seeds that they planted. As a final thought, I will leave you with a fitting quote from one of my favorite shows. Although we don't always get serious commentary from a 19 season binge-worthy show like Grey's Anatomy, the Schmidt, the stereotypical Jewish character of the show, describes his Jewish identity in a very appropriate and relatable way that highlights the importance of tradition in our amazing culture. I'm not a great Jew. I cheated in my bar mitzvah. I didn't learn Hebrew, so I just wrote it out phonetically and read that instead. I skip half the high holidays and I repent for it at Yom Kippur. And if I'm honest, I go back and forth about believing in God, which is actually very Jew, but it's the traditions that I find helpful. When a loved one dies, we have rules about how to grieve and move on, protocols. We force ourselves to sit in the pain. We cry and we laugh and we eat a lot and it doesn't bring the person back, but it does start the healing.